0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: One bushel an acre is about 86 million bushel on the balance sheet, you know, if you don't change demand, right? So um, yeah, and I think that's about right. I think the market's probably somewhere around a 178 right now.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Hashtag Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, we've got some big news to share
2: right here off the top of the hour, don't we? We certainly do. Delaney, how about you take it away?
0: Well, I'm very excited. I've been working on this deal for a long time, um, but very excited that we're announcing a new partnership with Successful Farming slash Meredith Corporation. They're actually headquartered here out of Des Moines, and they, of course, host all of the Successful Farming brand, as well as some of the other magazines that tug. Are within the meredith corporation but we're excited we're partnering with them they're going to help promote and drive content and also drive advertising for the network so it's going to be a cool partnership it's new so we'll see how everything shakes out here but i'm really excited they're obviously a big name when it comes to ag media so they're going to be helping to continue drive the global ag network
2: brand I'm very excited for this deal as well, Delaney. You're right. You've been working on this for forever and it's finally coming to fruition, which I'm very excited about. It's going to be a learning curve, I think, but very excited that the network is taking these leaps and bounds to uh, bettering the network as a whole.
0: Yeah, me too. And we'll hopefully have access to way more content and interviews and some great partnerships I hope to have here in the future as far as advertising goes. So folks, if you are an agribusiness that's interested in advertising, you can still reach out to us. But uh, you're going to be working more closely with the Meredith team and less closely with Ashton and myself as far as putting together those proposals go. But should be
2: a good deal overall. Absolutely, Delaney. And that's fantastic news to kick us off. But I'm going to take us down a little bit. Hopefully we can end on a higher note. But I'm not so sure because I didn't have a whole lot to share today, but talking about the heat wave we talked about a little bit last week in the Pacific Northwest because it's starting to damage some white winter wheat, and it's also forcing fruit farmers to harvest in the middle of the night just to salvage their crops and avoid this deadly heat wave. Like I said last week, I talked a little bit about a death of one of the employees that have been working in the Pacific Northwest, so it sounds like some of these producers are starting to harvest in the middle of the night just to avoid Any complications or anything like that in this extreme weather. And when it comes to this white wheat, it uh, doesn't look so hot, especially when it comes to their harvest and exports, because it's really coveted by Asian buyers. And it looks like these farmers might not have as much to sell this year. So that could potentially be an issue when it comes to it. But we don't really know as of right now. But things, aren't looking too hot. And when we're talking about extreme weather or weather disasters, things of that nature, I wanted to point out that the American Farm Bureau came out with their 2020 disaster estimations and it revealed that at least 3.6 billion dollars was lost for crop production and that's that's just in 2020 alone. And Texas took the cake with almost 876 million dollars lost, and that's not even accounting for our livestock producers, timber infrastructure, other ag-related factors. That's just for uncovered crop and rangeland losses alone. Again, that's $3.6 billion. That's a a major loss, and so it makes me wonder if we're going to have a high number like that for 2021 because weather has not been in our favor this summer.
0: No, and it sounds like we were supposed to have some timely rains here over the Midwest. We didn't quite get all of those. So that's actually excited commodity markets today. But as, as far as weather for that part of the country there in the uh, Northwest, Ashton, it doesn't sound like they're going to be getting any rain anytime soon. And as far as the U.S. drought monitor for... The contiguous U.S. here over the past four weeks, we really haven't seen much change as far as drought goes or precipitation goes in that part of the country. And we're expected to see some pretty hot temperatures sweeping into California, Oregon, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, sorry, Washington uh, here over the next couple of days, having a little bit of a temperature anomaly in that part of the country, and that's going to sweep through here to parts of the Corn Belt and the Midwest. So, going to be seeing some Hot temperatures moving into the rest of the week here. Uh, You're going to maybe see some rain down in your neck of the woods there, Ashton. We're continuing to see some flooding across parts of Texas. But overall, we are going to see some uh, hopefully continued rainfall in key growing areas. But, you know, I'm I'm still talking to producers and they're still saying it's just a Band-Aid. It's it's still a Band-Aid. They don't think that they're going to have a record corn crop this year. However, they think yield will still be pretty favorable and soybeans are still a little early to tell. August is going to be key here to see what we get, especially in the Corn Belt, as far as temperatures and precipitation go to determine what we see yield wise there. But Ashton, while we're talking about uh, yield and precipitation and all those good things, we had a big report today with the WASDE report. And I was thinking maybe I could go ahead here and just pull out a few keys before we chat about it with Ted Seifert coming up here in just a moment.
2: Let's do it. I haven't taken a look at anything. I'm really just relying on you here, Delaney. <laughs> well, I was watching it
0: pretty closely today. We saw ahead of the report corn, soybeans, and we were playing trading higher, but pretty much flat overall. Following the report, we did see things post a little bit of a higher uh close today. But overall the July Wazi report was pretty bullish for wheat and pretty much neutral, right in line with expectations for corn and soybeans. The big story today was the reduction in spring wheat production which came in at 665 million metric tons as far as ending stocks go. The trade was looking for 729 million metric tons. So we did close that pretty substantially there. Um, As far as other big takeaways, we didn't see things change really at all on the Swabian side of things. In the corn side of things, we did see... um, carry out a little bit lower than the average trade estimate as far as yield goes we did not see any adjustments for corn and soybeans USDA sounds like they're going to push that one to the August report and overall really the big one here i think that's worth noting is just what happened in north excuse me in south america and that was USDA did note in this week's report that Brazilian corn crop production is cut about 5 million metric tons. So that should uh, be supportive for U.S. exports. But overall, just kind of a non-report. But the markets were okay with that. You know, you couple that news of no big surprises, couple that with the lack of rainfall that the markets were expecting in some key growing areas, and that pushed things a little bit higher today. But we'll get Ted Seifert's take on that here coming up in just a moment.
2: Well, Delaney, I didn't have too much to talk about today. A lot of the news was concerning the legislation that was put in by President Biden last week that was talking about right to repair uh, the Packers and Stalkers Act, those kinds of things. So not a whole lot to talk about today, but I do have some interesting news coming from China talking a little bit more about African swine fever. China said that they will no longer require small pig farms to get environmental approval from the government before breeding pigs as the country is seeking to rebuild its hog herd following African swine fever. This move, which will reduce costs and red tape for small farmers, comes as China is trying to get these producers back into the pig production game. But African swine fever is still a big issue, and the agriculture ministry recognized that. They warned that China's hog production recovery is still facing uncertainties and that the risk from the African swine fever outbreak remains, quote, relatively great. While China has tried to, quote, unquote, rapidly rebuild some of the their their stock. There have been further outbreaks just this year in northern China and in southwestern parts of the country, and more strains of the virus are circulating. So like the ag ministry said, it's still a relatively great chance that a larger outbreak could happen, but I wasn't so sure about this. I I think it's a, a bold move, to say the least. A scary one, I think, But I'm a little interested to hear some more about this. We've been going back and forth on what to believe when China has been coming out and saying these statements about their hog herd. They're saying that they're trying to rapidly rebuild and that they're doing well, but they also point out that the risk is still at large. So I don't really know what they're trying to do here.
0: Well, and I think if you look at export sales, you'll see that reflected that China is still coming to the table. While they say that they're massively repopulating their hog herd, uh, they might be saying one thing and doing another because we saw for export sales for the week of June 25th through July 1st, uh, China purchased about 16,000 tons of US pork, the largest share of weekly total uh, of 43,000 000- 800 tons. And they physically exported about 6,500 tons. So it does seem that they're still coming to the buying table and they're not out of the woods yet. So we'll have to continue to watch this story. I actually was just in touch with Ambassador Branstead's folks uh, earlier today, interviewing them for Trader PhD. But of course, that knowledge is all in my head. So when I get that set up there, I'll be sure to share uh, what he had to say about the situation as well.
2: And I think that it's interesting that they're just doing this for small producers. It kind of makes my heart hurt a little bit because I figured that these smaller producers are the ones that are probably being hit the hardest when it comes to restrictions and what they're able to do and not do.
0: Absolutely, Ashton. But just wanted to give a quick recap here before we head into the markets. Uh, Last Friday, we did see again that legislation uh, that I guess less so legislation, more of a plan that the USDA rolled out in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Secretary Vilsack said that the USDA will be investing five hundred million dollars into the American res- from the American Rescue Plan to go toward new meat and poultry processing capacity and facilities. And I just wanted to add to that, this is at a minimum $500 million. It sounds like there's more money left in the fund or in the plan to be used. And so we'll continue to watch that and see what that money goes towards. But this is really probably the first big piece of I guess if you want to call it legislation or a plan that the Biden administration is tackling here. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing gets rolled out. But again, if you have questions about it or you're interested in uh, getting some of that funding, you can head to the USDA's website. But Ashton, that's really all of the news I had for today before we chat markets and then WASDE report with Ted Seifert. What about you?
2: Yep, I'm all out as well. I'm ready to hear these numbers
0: fantastic well uh july in both the corn and soybean markets had a little more excitement than some of the old crop and new crop contracts just because july is of course trading in expanded limits right now since they're in their delivery periods we won't touch on that but it's a good time to make some cash sales i suppose if you still have some corn or soybean left in the bin from last year but as far as Old crop September Gorn goes 15 cents higher today to close at five forty four and a half. and a half. The D's up 15 and a quarter to close at 532 and a quarter. In the soybean pits, the August contract up 23 and a quarter cent today to close at 14.02 and a half. The November up 18 and three quarters to close at 13.48. And in the wheat pits today, the Chicago contract up 25 cents in the July month to close at 6.40. December up 22 and three quarters cents to close at 6.46 and a half. And in the livestock pits today... We had some mixed trade as the August live cattle contract closed sixty cents higher to close at one nineteen eighty two and a half the october adding twenty two and a half cents ending the day at one twenty five eighty feeder cattle pulled lower today with the August contract down a dollar oh two and a half to close at one fifty eight fifteen this september down eighty two and a half cents to close at one sixty one even and in the lean hog markets today, the August contract down two dollars excuse me up two dollars fifty cents to close at 104.07 the October up $1.90 to close at eighty-seven thirty-two and a half, and and wrapping things out here with the class three dairy milk futures the August contract up 31 cents today to close at 17.85 the September up 32 to close at 18.03 And without further ado let's kick it over to our conversation with Ted Seyfried. Well, folks, as promised for today's Hashtag Market Monday episode, chatting with Ted Seifried of the Zaner Group today. Ted, how you doing?
1: Hey, Delaney, doing well. How are you?
0: I'm pretty good. It's big report day, Ted, although today's report really wasn't that big other than maybe in the wheat market. Give us your quick take on it here before we dive in a little deeper.
1: Uh Yeah. So for row crops, like you said, there really wasn't a whole lot there. In fact, they left uh, the new crop soybean balance sheet completely unchanged. They did a couple accounting things on the old crop soybean balance sheet, but they left carryover the same. Uh, so really nothing there. Uh, the world numbers came in a little bit less bullish than expected. Uh, they cut the Chinese bean imports by 2 million metric ton- tons. So that might be something. Further on down the, the line, that could be a bit of a, a problem. But at least for now, nothing major on our balance sheets there for soybeans. For corn, they just put the new acreage numbers in uh, for production. They left yield unchanged. Some people, myself included, thought they could be justified in lowering that yield ever so slightly just to say that they were paying attention to uh, <clears throat> the the warm and dry conditions that we had have been having out in the West. Uh, but they left yield unchanged. Uh, So 175 million bushel increase in production, offset by 25 million bushel less beginning stocks and 75 million bushel more in demand, 50 from ethanol, I'm sorry, 50 from exports, uh, 25 from feed and residual. Uh, So yeah, just a 75 million bushel increase in carryover for new crop corn, pretty similar to what the trade was expecting, maybe about 25 million bushel more. So really not a big deal there. Uh, So when all is said and done, like you said, it was the wheat and they cut the spring wheat crop more than what we were expecting. Although I'm going to say, I think the trade as a whole is very comfortable with how much they cut it. We just weren't sure they would do it all at once. Uh, And this was a very rip the bandaid off type report for the spring wheat for them. Uh, So we're happy to see it. September spring wheat was up 40, almost 45 cents here today. Uh, So it was a fairly friendly report for, for wheat. But other than that, again, non-eventful for row crops, and we went back to what we were trading right before the report came out, which is weather. And mm-hmm. that is what we do this time of year. Uh, in the short run, weather looks a little bit bearish. We've got some rain in the forecast for Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, that was known about last week, so not a big surprise. The big difference today, though, is the longer term forecasts, the six to 10 and eight to 14 day outlooks, are bringing that heat back in and below normal precipitation for the areas that have already been kind of struggling to get. Any sort of rain, uh, and so now we're getting a little worried about the the end of pollination for corn, and and also what it's going to look like getting into the month of August for soybeans.
0: Yeah, fantastic, and I want to come back and talk about that in just a second. But Ted, I want to backtrack here for just a moment and talk spring wheat. Like you mentioned, there we had a lot of activity in the cash market and also uh, the deferred contracts. Today's market day aside, let's talk the rest of this week into next. Do you expect us to trade back lower now that we've kind of reacted and gotten through today's report, or do you think we'll find support at these current levels?
1: Uh, you know, spring wheat I think should have more upside potential here at this point. You know, we we really have this sort of triple top happening uh, in the September Minneapolis at 860, uh, or just shy of 860. The high is actually 859 and three quarters, uh, but this time around it feels like we have the fundamental justification to get through it. Up and over that mark. Um, and you know, this could be a bullish extension to the upside. So I think there's more upside potential for the Minneapolis contract. Now, whether the Chicago and Kansas City really want to follow along, keep in mind we are in harvest right now. So this is the time of year where we would normally expect to see a bit of pressure. But but now that we're over about 60% harvested, maybe that harvest pressure won't be quite as strong. And maybe wheat as a whole, now, now that we're looking at a balance sheet that's fairly friendly for wheat, maybe we can get everything going so i'm looking for more upside in the wheat uh some of that will kind of depend on what happens with the row crops as well but i think there's more upside potential for the wheat
0: ted you are gonna head to the pro farmer tour we've got that coming up here in a couple of weeks what do you think you guys are gonna see and find
1: uh well you know i think in the east we're gonna see some pretty good looking crops um you know i'll be on the western line but i I think the guys on the east are gonna see some really fairly good looking crops. In fact, they're going to be looking at some areas that are going to be challenging records, I think. Uh, the West is the big question mark, right? And and I've been out West a couple of times already this year. Um, you've got some areas that are struggling, but I also think you've got a lot of corn in particular that looks better than it maybe should. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we think, you know, drought conditions and we think, wow, this tr- this crop's really going to struggle. But then we get out there and look at it. It's like, wow. This really isn't as bad. I don't think this is, this year is really going to be a disaster as a whole. There might be some areas that really do suffer. Um, but as a whole, I think we're going to be looking at a crop that's pretty good. Now, the, the real question is, the USDA is at a 179.5. That would be a new record on a national scale by three bushel an acre almost. Is that the kind of crop that we're looking at? And so that's what we're going to go out there to try to figure out. I don't think so, at least in my mind right now, uh, not being out there and looking at it. And and again, keep in mind, you know, this is uh about a month away from when we leave. So, you know, a lot, a lot's going to change in a month. Uh, I think what we're going to see, though, is that this is a very good crop. It's probably in the top five, maybe even top three. Uh, national average yields we've ever seen for corn. It might be a record when you take the good in the east versus the the not so good in the west. But I don't think it's a record by three bushel an acre. And if it is, that's about as high as it can probably go. So when you look at the balance sheet USDA gave us today using that 179.5 with the new acreage numbers we're looking at, that might be the biggest carryover we see for corn, unless there's some sort of strange thing that happens on the demand side and the demand just doesn't happen to be there but I do think the demand is there and you know again if that yield comes down from that 1795 which I think it should uh at least that's my my bias at this point uh, the question is by how much and how tight does that balance sheet get and that's really what we're trying to figure out here
0: And what market or what number is the market trading? Like, let's say we do come in even a bushel lower than a 179 and a half. What's the market going to do from there? Does it care at that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, a bushel, uh, you know, that's about 85, 86 million. uh, One bushel an acre is about 86 million bushel on the balance sheet, you know, if you don't change demand. Right. So, um, yeah, and I think that's about right. I think the market's probably somewhere around a 178 right now. Um, there's a lot of people talking about a 176, just under that previous record that we set in 17. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I think that's what the market's saying now. But a lot of it's going to really depend on what happens, you know, after this week as far as weather. If we go back to this hotter, drier trend, that those people people are going to start talking about lower numbers than that. And and if you start talking about a number lower than say 176, then you start worrying about you know if the demand that's on the balance sheet currently, if that stays there, then we're talking maybe a sub-billion-bushel carryover in corn. And that's that's when we start to say, okay, this is a really tight balance sheet.
0: Do you think there's any possibility, and soybeans are still a little bit unknown, right? Because as you mentioned, August is really the big month here for weather for them. But as far as corn goes, do you think there's any possibility that we do see a, a lower acreage number come harvest and we see maybe a counter-seasonal rally again like we did last year?
1: You know, that's a great question, Delaney. But, you know, think about where we were last year, right? Uh, I was going on crop tour and we were talking about, you know, corn between 880 and 920. Um, It's a lot easier to get a rally from those prices than it is, say, from, you know, November beans sitting at 19 or I'm sorry, 1350. Uh, We had a chance to get that demand in here. A lot of the demand from last year came in between 880 and 1080 and users both domestically and globally haven't had a chance to buy beans at those cheaper levels. So if we get a counter season rally it's going to be based on dryness and weather concerns because places like China if they see weather going good they're going to try to wait and prolong those purchases for as long as they can to let the market come down, make the market think that they're not going to buy and then try to buy at cheaper prices like 11.80 for example. Uh, but if it looks like the crop is not going to be there and they have to get in sooner than later, then they will start to rally it. So in my in my opinion, I think it'd be really healthy for the market to get like a two dollar break in soybeans. I, th- I know a lot of people are going to be very uncomfortable uh, if something like that happens. But I really do think it'd be healthy for the market just to make sure that demand is there and cooking. Uh, but whether we do that or not, is going to be dependent on weather
0: let's chat here livestock for a moment it sounds like uh cattle guys are maybe finally sort of starting to be able to make some money again what are you hearing from cattle folks
1: yeah i mean we're not we're not super happy about the money uh to be made out there we all think it should be better right but mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know uh I really thought that, that cattle had good justification to get up into like, say the 132 to 134 area. Um, and I'm talking August live cattle, uh, because I mean, if you go out to February, for example, you're already there, but uh, talking about August live cattle, I thought that we could go higher, but we needed the cash to go higher as well. And that just hasn't happened. Um, yeah, you know, corn's come off its high. So feedstocks, not as quite as bad as it had been. But if that corn's going to start going up. You know, I mean, we had a, a higher day on a neutral report today. If that corn starts going up, it's going to start putting pressure on that once again. So, I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not doing jumping jacks about the profit margins that are for cattle right now. I would like to see them better. I'd like to see that cash trade higher.
0: Uh, and Ted, what about the lean hog market? We bounced off some lows we put in uh, back in June. Are we going to trade sideways from here, or what's your price action forecast?
1: Yeah, you know, so Chinese prices had. Declined pretty aggressively, which is why kind of you know, which is why we did right. Uh, but the thing about China, they like their pork a lot. Um, it's kind of like you telling me that hey, buy one get one free uh, houses at the grocery store right now. I'm going to go buy twice as <laughs> many, right? So that's what they do there too. So when they get low price pork, they go through it pretty quickly, as evidenced from our export sales last week. China was in for a pretty decent amount, so that's good to see. I've been saying for a while now, you know, I I worry about the number of animals out there and the weights that we might have when we get to the later part of the summer. I think domestic demand is going to be strong. I see upside potential in the hogs. And in particular, uh, you know, I look at the gap that we've left in the chart there on the August hogs at the 112 mark. I think that should be maybe my minimum target to the upside. Um I like what we saw on hogs today closing 250 higher. I think this is the beginning of a of a, a bounce back towards the highs. Now whether we make new highs or not, I don't know. Fundamentally, I think it's I think the justification is there, uh but whether the market thinks so or not is a, a good question.
0: Fantastic. Well, Ted, unfortunately we're out of time for today, but if folks want to chat with you more about the markets, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can reach me directly at 312 312- two seven seven zero one one three you can also find us on the web at z a n e r that com. you can read a bit about us uh, also sign up for our morning AG hedge newsletter and if you're on Twitter and you like that sort of thing I am at the Ted spread
0: fantastic Ted well thank you again so much for coming on to chat markets today I Certainly appreciate it
1: hey no problem thanks Lanny thanks for having me
0: really again, a big thank you there to Ted for coming on and chatting. Mark, it's always great to have him come on. And he's especially great at chatting when we've got big reports like today and putting them in perspective for us. So certainly appreciate that. But we're always having great conversations with folks just like Ted every day on the Ag News Daily Podcast. So if you missed any of our past episodes, you got a little road trip coming up and you need to catch back up on those. You can check them out at agnewsdaily.com or connect with us on social media at Agnewsdaily Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ashen, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.